Well, good morning. Glad to see each of you here today. Thank you. Praise Tim for praise team for that great message and song. Take if you would your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter number ten. Let me just say a word before we get started with the message this morning. I want to apologize for the misunderstanding that has arisen about our new small group ministry. First, I want to say I'm excited about the potential of that new ministry. The purpose is outreach. It is our hope that individuals who might have a hard time getting into the church building would be more open to a gathering in a home. We probably should have done a better job of emphasizing the fact that a pioneer group has been meeting on Sunday evening, training leaders to lead and host or facilitate those small groups that we hope to begin this fall. If you were blindsided by that, then please accept my apology. I honestly thought it had been communicated to the congregation. This group has been meeting and using the Sunday morning message as a basis for further study. What this doesn't mean is that the Sunday night service has to end as long as there is a need for it. Those of you who prefer this Bible study format in the student center, please keep being faithful to that service. Ours is a congregation that has been loving and supporting and self-sacrificing and giving to people, to missions, both foreign here and on a local level, to our youth providing a wonderful place, not only for our young people, but as a place to reach out to youth from our community. As I head toward retirement, it is my greatest desire that you continue to do what you've always done, and that is to live out Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, which says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, outdoing yourselves and honoring one another. If you are desiring to be part of a community group, then please outdo yourself to support and honor those who continue their tradition of meeting together at the church to fellowship and study God's word. And if you are part of the group that prefers to keep the evening service, then please outdo yourselves in honoring those whose needs will be better served by meeting together and making that connection with other believers in a community group. We only lose here if you lose the love that the Lord says that we are to be known by. No matter what method we use, the message of the gospel needs to continue to go out from this place and characterize the unity of this congregation. The way we react in love and grace to each other and just as Christ has told us that we should do. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So let's get on to the good stuff. Hebrews chapter number 10. I do want to say just a word. Thank you, Carmen, for those announcements this morning. Just one little thing in talking about my final month. It sounded like I was dying. As far as I know, that's not true. I, I don't plan on retiring right after my final sermon on August the 4th. So onward and upward. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 19. This morning we are 
We come to the turning point in the letter to the Hebrews. The writer turns from an explanation of the superiority of Jesus to that application of that truth in the lives of his readers. We base the choices we make and the values we hold on our belief system. What you truly believe will determine what you do and if it doesn't affect your behavior, you don't really believe it. He begins in verse number 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the household of God. Now in a transition from the explanation to application, he says, therefore, brothers. We should always take note when the Bible says, therefore, because that provides the link between the cause and the effect. Therefore, because of what Jesus has done, we as believers can approach God with confidence. Christ broke down the great wall separating mankind from God. The veil that he talks about in verse 20 is talking about the veil that existed in the temple in Jerusalem that separated the holy place from the holy of holies which was the representative of God's presence. At the exact moment of Jesus' death on the cross, at the ninth hour, Matthew tells us that that heavy temple veil separating the holy of holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. By his death, Jesus made it possible for believers to enter directly into the presence of God. The writer now gives us a threefold directive based on our new relationship with God the Father. First, we are told that we must draw near in faith. He says, let us, and you'll notice three times in this passage, the words let us, which will identify each of these three new directives. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The wonderful truth is that we can enter into the very presence of God with full assurance that he accepts us and that he hears us. By Christ, once for all, sacrifice for sin, Christ has purchased for us a new and living way into the very presence of God. The resurrection of the one slain has made this new way a living and enduring way. This stands in marked contrast with the former animal sacrifices of the old covenant. These animal sacrifices made by the priest remain dead and they only temporarily covered sin. We are able and indeed we are invited to walk into the very presence of Almighty God on the merit of the risen and living Christ. 
In verse 22, we are told how we are to enter into the presence of God. We are to enter with a clear conscience. For the first time in the lives of these individuals who had for years been under the old covenant, they were able to find forgiveness. That their guilt could be completely expunged. The writer says, therefore, that they should enter into God's presence with a true heart. And the word translated true means sincere. That is, that there are, no to be, there are not to be any mixed motives or, un, or divided loyalties as we come into God's presence. It is the opposite of what we sometimes experience in our everyday lives. We have all met people who when they are introduced, they keep talking to us and smiling at us, but all the while their eyes are traveling all over the place, roaming, looking for other people and other things. They really are not interested in us at all. That's exactly the opposite of what we are told that God expects from us. We are not only invited to draw near in faith, but second, we are to hold fast in hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So many people in our world today live without any real hope. In fact, they're not living so much as they are surviving. They manage to put one foot in front of the other by depending on some unfounded worldly hope. And by that I mean that they're hoping that the future will bring something different into their lives. They're hoping for a brighter moment. They're hoping for a change, hoping for someone in their lives to change everything. But their hope is not founded on truth, but it is rather just wishful thinking. But as Christians, our hope has substance. When the author here refers to the confession of our hope, he's referring back to what he said in chapter 6 and verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. We understand that an anchor grabs hold of the floor of the ocean and it holds a vessel in place securely. But the shifting sands of this world offer nothing to secure us for eternity. So our anchor does not go down to the ocean below, but it goes up and is anchored in God's presence in heaven. We're not only to hold fast and hope, but third, we are to be, we are to encourage in love. Verse number 24, let us consider one another and other in order to stir up love and good works. Consider means to observe, to contemplate, to have intelligence insight into. The idea here is that we are to spur or to encourage one another in good works. The King James captures the strength of that verb when it translates it provoke. Now normally provoke is not a pleasant connotation. 
But here it has the pleasant connotation of prodding other believers, brothers and sisters, to good deeds. The Greek word speaks forcefully of the tremendous impact believers can have on each other in order that we stir each other up to do good. I think that it can truly be said that we as Christians always, often stir each other up. Sometimes not in a good way, right? Sometimes we can provoke one another, but not in a good way, not to good works. And this we are to accomplish, he says, by frequent assembly, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together but as the manner of some is, but that we are continue to gather together. People have a thousand reasons, or I should say excuses, why they don't attend church regularly. In the church to whom this letter is written, perhaps attendance has been affected by persecution, and you could understand that. That, however, is not one of our problems. We seem to find all kinds of reasons to neglect worshiping together. We choose to be involved in other activities. There are family gatherings. There are sporting events. More and more, these events are scheduled during church hours. Do you know why? It's because Christians are choosing to neglect assembling themselves with other believers rather than take a stand for Christ. Some say that Sunday is the only day they have to rest. But the same ones will get up early on Sunday to go fishing or hunting. But that, of course, is different, right? The Lord just isn't that important. Perhaps you've heard the Psalm of Summer. Now it came to pass that spring turned into summer again. God's people raised their voices and said, Recreation is my shepherd, I shall not stay at home. He maketh me to lie down in my sleeping bag. He leadeth me to the interstate each weekend. He restoreth my suntan. He leadeth me to the state parks for comfort's sake. Even though I stray on the Lord's day, I will fear no reprimand, for you are with me. My rod and reel, they comfort me. I anoint my skin with oil. My gas tank runneth over. Surely my, tra- my trailer shall follow me all the weekends this summer. And perhaps I shall return to the house of the Lord this fall. But then it's hunting season. And that's another song. Sam Jones was a prominent Methodist evangelist at the turn of the 20th century. He was so fiery that he had a difficulty keeping a job as a pastor. In his sermons, he preached that alcohol and idleness were sinful. He was known for his admonition, quit your meanness. I like that. I may quote that from now on. Quit your meanness. While he was still a pastor, he got a message from one of his members, a Mr. Green, that said, Pastor, come quickly. My son John has been bitten by a rattlesnake. When he got there, the frantic man said, Pastor Sam, pray for my son. 
I promised the Lord that if he recovers, I will come back to church and bring my family and we'll start living for the Lord. So Sam Jones said he prayed a prayer that went like this. Dear Lord, we pray for Mr. Green's son that he might recover from the snake bite. But I want to thank you, Lord, for sending this rattlesnake to bite John. This one snake has done what I and the church have been unable to do in the life of Mr. Green for over three years. During all of that time, he has not been interested in church or the spiritual well-being of his family. This one rattlesnake has turned his mind back to you. Lord, what we need in the lives of many of our other church members are bigger and better rattlesnakes. But we have a number of sound reasons for not giving in to the urge not to attend church. I just want to share a couple with this morning. First, we meet with Christ in a special way when we meet for corporate worship. Kent Hughes says it is true that a person does not have to go to church to be a Christian doesn't have to go home to be married either but in both cases if he does not he will not have a very good relationship true secondly corporate worship gives us an opportunity to praise God that we do not ordinarily have in solitude perhaps you've heard of the man who refused to go to church when a pastor asked him why he said I don't go to church because every time I do, they throw something at me. Preacher says, what do you mean? The man went on to explain, when I was a child and my parents took me to church, the minister threw water on me. When I got married, the wedding ceremony took place in a church and they threw rice at me. Hearing this, the pastor quickly responded, if you don't start going to church pretty soon... The next time you come to church, I'm afraid they'll be throwing dirt on you. Sadly, this describes the situation for many people as far as church attendance is concerned. For some, they go to church twice in their lives, once to get married and once to be buried. And that's about all. But for the obedient child of God, that will never do. With the result that we encourage one another but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching the late bishop fulton sheen once entered a greasy spoon restaurant for breakfast and when the waitress groggy and disinterested took his order he replied bring me some ham and eggs and a few kind words when she returned 15 minutes later, she set the food before him and said, there. He turned to her and said, what about the kind words? The server looked at him for a moment and then she replied, well then, I'd advise you not to eat them eggs. <laughs> Yet there is amazing power in encouraging words. You and I have the power to change a life with kind and encouraging words. The fact is that encouragement is a Christian duty. 
William Barclay says one of the highest human duties is the duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at another man's ideals. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many times, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer could keep a person on their feet. Blessed is he who speaks such a word. In closing, let me just say, imagine that there is a person standing in front of you this morning struggling with several large packages. You may know them, you may not. It could be a friend or a total stranger. Perhaps it's someone you see every day or it could be someone you only meet once. Imagine then that they're before struggling with those large packages. They have more than they can carry. The burden is too much for them to bear alone. You see them straining and hurting and struggling from the weight of those packages. What do you do? Think about it. You're at Walmart or at the grocery store and you're standing there with nothing in your hands. And all of a sudden you notice this person in front of you who is just about to drop the packages because they have more than they can handle. What is your first thought? Well, of course, you have the natural urge to give them a hand. I hope you wouldn't just stand there and watch them struggle and drop those things that you could have easily helped them to bear. You know, it really doesn't take much imagination to see that occurring every day in your life. You see, there are those in our pathway standing right in front of us who are struggling with more than they can handle. Or it may, it may not be groceries or household items from the department store, but it's a very real burden that bears them down in the same way. Maybe it's a divorce they're going through, Maybe an illness, it could be a relationship problem, a difficult decision, a situation at work, or maybe they're just having a bad day. There are all kinds of things that weigh us down, things that we struggle with, things that leave us straining and hurting and aching from the weight that is upon us. Perhaps it's just that they are finding themselves in a situation in which they have no one to turn to for encouragement. No one understands the way they feel. Someone is carrying too many packages that will be in front of you today and tomorrow. You can count on it. Will you notice them? Will you be a friend or a stranger? It could be someone you know really well or someone you barely know Someone you see every day or somebody you've only met once and they'll be standing there struggling under the weight. What is your first thought? Will you reach out and give them a hand? Will, will you do what you can to help them meet the need? Will you offer a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on? Will you be someone to help bear the burden in whatever way you can? You can encourage those who have been a blessing to you by letting them know that you appreciate what they have done. There are countless people in every walk of life 
who are never recognized or encouraged no matter how hard they try. Often the lack of appreciation is what will make or break them. You can encourage your mechanic by telling him how you appreciate having someone you can trust. You can encourage your wife when you tell her how much you appreciate all that she does. You can encourage your children by telling them how much they bring joy to your heart. To encourage, to strengthen, to enfresh, to provoke good deeds in others. Won't you encourage someone today? Let's pray. Lord, we certainly recognize that there are always those who will discourage us. But sometimes there's not that many that will encourage us. And sometimes we, even ourselves, are guilty of not being encouragers. We do see people struggling. And we do stand by and watch them. Help us, Lord, to realize that you've given us that which we can minister to others with, and that's the gospel. That we have the answer to their problems, whether they know so or not. Sometimes the people right around us just need to hear that someone cares what they're going through. And you may give us an opportunity, Lord, to share the gospel with them that we really do have that which is the hope of this world, that Jesus Christ has paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Help us, Lord, not to be stingy with that message. And, Lord, help us to look for those around us that may need encouragement. And help us also to be grateful for those people in our lives who have been an encouragement and thank them and tell them, that we appreciate what they've done for us. Lord, you put us here. And you put us here for a reason. You've left us here in this world for a reason. And that reason is to share with this world what you have done for us. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us to make that real in our lives by sharing it with other people. We ask it in Jesus' name.